I'm James Brian Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. You're listening to episode 40. All right, Chris Hewitt, you are back on the Things Above podcast, Things Above Conversation. This is our, our second uh, go at looking at the Enneagram. And the first time we had you, fantastic. You explained what it was. We talked about um, identity and dignity and our belovedness, and it was I, I loved that conversation. Um, so assuming folks by now have maybe looked at the Enneagram, maybe gone online, taken a test, learned about it, are trying to figure out where they are. But... Um, you know, every, every one of the of the nine types contains these elements that you write about in the book, the great book here, The Sacred Enneagram, Finding Your Unique Path to Spiritual Growth. You talk about a holy idea, a virtue, mm-hmm. a basic desire, a basic fear, fixation, passion, and then directions of integration and disintegration. A lot of lingo in the yeah. Enneagram world with all these, these terms, but walk us through those you know, and, and I don't know, you can t- pick a number if you want or, or look at it, but there's a holy idea and a virtue, basic desire, basic fear, and so yeah. forth. Yeah. So when you take an Enneagram test online, let's say, or, or say you meet with somebody in a typing interview or, or however it is that you discover what your Enneagram type is, and then you pick up a book or, or, or you Google your type, you're going to see these these components that create type or these sort of corners of type structure. And for a lot of us, when we see that, it's like, oh, man, I've always intuitively known these things about myself. I just never have had language for it. Well, when when you sort of look at all of those aspects, um, I think generally for most people, they, they, they make a lot of sense. For me, it actually tells a story. For me, it actually sort of becomes a map of, of, of how or what we were born to, to bring forward in the world, how we got lost or disconnected from it, and, and then how we stay lost or how we can find our way back to it, right? Mm. So my sense is um, we are all purpose, that that there is a gift in, in the essence of our soul that that we have to align with, and, and that's why we're here. And and what's great about the Enneagram is, is it simply reminds us um, that we're only one-ninth of that that this is actually a teaching for communities, that this is a teaching for people in relationships. This isn't simply sort of for fueling your own narcissism. But whatever that gift is, is 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 I think, in a sense, the, the sort of fusion of your Enneagram type's holy idea and your Enneagram type's virtue. Now, your holy idea, as Hamid Ali would say, is your unobstructed view of reality. It's seeing the world as it should be, even if it's not yet there. So holy idea is a good thing. Yeah. Okay. The holy idea... Oscar Chasso, the man who who really sort of brought the the raw material for the Enneagram of personality forward between 1954 and 1969, says that the holy idea is the psychocatalyzer. It's the only aspect of your Enneagram type that you need to know. And if you could just work with your holy idea, that would change everything. Wow. Okay. So, That's, that, I I didn't know it was that. That's big. It's huge. And, okay. and, and it's And it's a little complicated because generally the holy ideas don't, mean what they say. Um, so as, as I've worked with the holy ideas, my, my sense is it's really the first truth you have to tell yourself, right? So if you're dominant in type three, right, the, the holy idea here is, is holy hope. It's, it's holy law. 
Um, and that doesn't make sense on, on, on the surface. It, it doesn't sort of help you see what, what, what the first truth is, is that you need, need to sort of give yourself over to. But my sense for somebody who's dominant type three is, is this holy idea is the, the holy law of the universe is, is that there is already a great plan that you don't have to devise, that you're not in control of. And it's not that you go along with it, but that you allow yourself to be taken up in it with trust, mm. with, 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 with consenting to love and, and, and allowing it to lead you back to your, your true self. So let's go through the nine. Can we go through the nine? You started with a three there, but like what is the holy idea of the one? So the holy idea – so let me do this. Let, okay. me, let me say that. The holy yeah, why idea, am I telling you what to do? No, 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 because <laughs> we'll, it will be great to do it like this. The, the holy idea – is, is the unobstructed view of reality. And this is the higher thinking state. This is, is your head centaurs, like I said, unobstructed view of reality. The virtue is your, it's the, the gift of your emotional objectivity. The, the virtue is, is, is your heart engaged with truth, centered in love, and it's what comes forward. And I think when you take your holy idea from your type and your virtue from your type, now you're starting to get okay. the, 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 the materials that create, let's say, the soup base for your essence, right? So, so for type one, it, it's holy perfection, and, and the virtue is serenity. And and for ones, what this simply means is finding peace in your imperfections is what makes you perfect, mm. and that's perfect, and, and that's the invitation to grace that that you you can't be unto yourself, let's say this this demigod who's going to be so perfect up on this little pedestal that we'll all follow because anytime you mess up and you fall down from that pedestal, you're devastated. And so it's your flaws that make you beautiful. It's your imperfections that make you safe. And that's what's wholly perfect about you, right? That's the one. Yeah. Okay. So for the two, this this virtue is is um humility. And, and this, again, this, look, you have to know this. All of this language was tricked out by... um a Bolivian man and a Chilean man who are doing this in a second language. And, and when sort of interviewed about that, they, they, they said they essentially were appealing to the utility of language. So we, we have to do some real excavating of, of meaning behind these words, mm-hmm. right? But for the two, this, this virtue is humility. This, this holy idea is holy will. And, and, and really for the two, what this, this simply means is your strength is in co-creating that you are not indispensable, that, that, that we simply don't only need you, but in you needing us, we, we come together. And, and there has to be a kind of humility in that because for the two, there's a lot of shame triggered in acknowledging their own needs, asking for what they want, and, and letting us meet those needs. A, a two has the sense that they were born to, to serve and meet the needs of everyone else. And, and, and so in denying and repressing their, their self, there's a kind of of arrogance in that, and that false mm. humility really becomes self abnegation, and and self abnegation isn't love, right? And and so there has to be a willing of love in that. For the three, this virtue is authenticity, and, and like I said, this this holy idea is is holy hope, and and the authenticity of the three is is really, in one sense. The, the clarity of their vision to, to see the truth in everything except for the inability to see the truth of their own belovedness. This holy hope is that actually you 
are as beloved as the most loved person or thing in your life. And, and, and to bring these things together is the truth that you tell yourself. Um, this is what allows for threes to sort of see through the clutter, to sort of be able to sniff out disingenuity in everything and including themselves. And this is really where the subtlety of wherever they have to understate their own fabulousness even becomes a source of their pain. Mm-hmm. Um, for the four, um, this this virtue is 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 equanimity, and it's a funny word. So sometimes we we we, we replace that with um, emotional balance. And, and, and this whole idea is origin. It's knowing there is a source for the root of my being and that I am not disconnected from that. And that's where I will draw the gift of, of, of my sense of self or my identity. The equanimity, though, is, is, is not living on the fringes of, of, of deep sorrow or, 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 or satisfying joy, but, but it's sort of finding that whatever and wherever you are being pulled in the spectrum of, of those true and intense feelings, that doesn't change the, the truth of your source. Hmm. Um, for the five, this is, um, so the virtue traditionally from Ichaso was detachment. And, and I actually sort of nudged this and changed this to non-attachment as a way of holding loosely everything the five sort of uncovers. The, the holy idea of holy omniscience here is, is really the sort of letting go of needing to know everything. And in fact, that not being divine. And, and that's where, where non-attachment shows up. Mm. It's actually in, 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 in consenting to the silence that maybe the first voice of God, in fact, was only heard in the void and there was nothing to hear, which then shows us that rather than arguing over, was it a literal seven days in, in, in the first few um, pages of Genesis that the first thing we actually learn about the nature of God is that God creates. And so the creative impulses in us make us divine or prove out or show us what's divine. For the five, it's 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 actually just rewinding all of that. And it's actually sitting in the silence and, 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 and not attaching to the process of finding solutions. For the six, this is... Um, so the, the virtue here is, is courage, and the holy idea is, is, is holy faith. And um, like I said when we were, we were speaking earlier, courage isn't not being afraid. It's looking at fear and, and, and exposing it as an illusion, a malformation of truth. It's pressing into these things with love. And, of course, like we said last time in First John 4, that's where, where, where fear is exposed. Um, that holy faith is, 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 is tricky for people who've been socialized in historic Christian religious communities because— Faith and beliefs, actually, I, 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 I don't think can be correlated. In fact, I, I, I think that we can put our faith in things that we don't believe. I think faith is making an option for the absurd, and it's putting our hope in something that's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the gift of the six. Seven, this is, is tricky because the virtue is sobriety, and, and that's really just living in the enoughness of the moment. The, the holy idea is holy wisdom, holy work, holy plan. And, and that holy plan, I think, starts to get to it because— the seven is constantly preoccupied about what's next as a way of keeping them on run from, from facing their own inner pain. And, and so they actually plan out great strategies to avoid their pain. So for sevens, this is, is really a returning to presence. And then being in the present, they'll know the truth. For the eight, the virtue is innocence. 
And the holy idea is is holy truth. And, and this is a bummer because eight sort of just like I'm speaking the truth in love. And it's like, well, you're not speaking the truth and there's no love in it. So stop <laughs> bullying me with the truth. It's really the truth of returning to your innocence that, that allows you to actually love yourself so that you can maybe be a little bit more gentler or compassionate in what love looks like as you extend it. And then for the nine, of course, this is – um. This is right action as virtue, and this is holy love. And it's really fusing the two of those and, and saying if, if, if love isn't enacted in the world, it's still not love. And what's great about this is if you look at the Enneagram and, and you connect three, six, and nine, they, they actually draw an equilateral triangle there in the middle of the circle. And, and, and this is at point six, faith, at point three, hope, and at point nine, love. Mm-hmm. And, and there's something really profound about yeah. seeing those sort of inflow. Wow. Those are – that's – yeah, it's really great. And, you know, what I see in what you're saying is it's this being loved for who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our previous conversation, I talked about those attachment issues of, of seen, safe, and soothed, you know, that, that, yeah. that I see you. I see you, Chris, and I affirm you as you. And whatever you as an eight are wanting that to look like, uh, I know as a three, I'm, I'm saying, oh, yeah, you're going to see me and I'm and you're going to see me win. You're going to see me succeed or achieve. Mm-hmm. And that's and so I'm going to get you your affirmation in love in that form of seeing and then safe like am I, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I, it's interesting you talk about early childhood stuff. And, and I think in a previous episode I talked about this, but the, a fascinating study that was done. Um, it's an older study. It was like in the 60s, but still I think it rings true. But about children, they, they studied two types of children. One was raised uh, in affluent homes but absent parents, like mm-hmm. it was boarding schools or nannies, live-in people, right? So they had all that they would need physically, they, more than they would need, but they did the, the absent uh, parents, right? The other one was children raised in prisons, which I didn't even know was a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, women sometimes are incarcerated when, while they're pregnant. And so there are prisons that you can actually, you know. So anyway, they followed these kids through adolescence. And, and uh, not, not surprisingly, if you really think about it, the children who were raised in the affluent but absent homes had less strong self-image, mm. you know. And, the, and you had kids raised in these in bad conditions, right, in a prison. Mm. And Joseph uh, Pieper, he, that's where I read about in, in a book of his about this study, he said, the children raised in the affluent but absent, they got the milk, but they didn't get the honey. Mm. And the honey is, I value you. It's that mother mm. face, early years, looking into your, you know, mm. and, and valuing. I mean, how profound is that to say mm. they didn't have the externals they didn't have, but what they did have was that that caregiver who provided that one thing that, that we needed. So yeah. so a lot of the, the types, I mean, you talk about wounds, original wounds. Are a lot of the types, yeah. do, you, do you believe that they're based on some early experiences? Yeah. So my, my sense is, is you're born your essence, maybe the fusion of this holy idea and this virtue, and, and you lose contact with that essence. And, and here's my, my sense. Our loss of contact with our essence or our purpose or our gift is simply just the human condition. It's, hey, just because you work hardest doesn't mean you're going to get ahead just because you tell the truth doesn't mean you're going to get rewarded and in in elementary school we 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 sort of have to wake up to the harsh realities of this is what's broken in in the empire this is what is busted in our humanity well as 
as all humans do, we want to blame. We want to explain. We want to sort of give meaning to, to, to what's unfair, what's painful, what's hard about humanity. And so my sense is with, with, without the sophistication and the nuance of, 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 of developed psycho-spiritual analysis, we look back on our imperfect early holding environments and we ascribe an experience to this loss of contact with essence, to being welcomed into the pain of humanity, and we call that a wound. So my sense is that these so-called childhood wounds are actually the confirmation bias to what was lost. And it's like you're pressing on the stress fracture of our soul, and, and we didn't even know that it was fractured. But when you press on it, it hurts. It shows us what was lost. Mm. And that's why you can line up nine little kids at a lunchroom table and say, you got busted teeth and your feet look goofy and you smell like chicken. And <laughs> most of us don't really care, but yeah. one of those insults actually hurts. One of those yeah. we're sensitive to. And it's not because it's more true. It's just because there's something that it's pointing to. So my sense is these so-called childhood wounds aren't real wounds. So if you're a parent, you're not wounding your kids. <laughs> like yeah. You're not creating type. They yeah. were going to sort of have to put the hat on the he- hook of something in their life. And and what we do is we bring type then to to contend with our real trauma, our real wounds. So mm-hmm. real trauma doesn't create type. I, I really fundamentally think that if we're born purposed, then this is, is let's say, and, and this is sort of clumsy to say it this way, but let's say this is more nature than nurture. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens on the other side of that wound is all nine types have a basic desire, and that basic desire is I just want the world to be perfect again. I just want it to be safe to be me again. I just want to know... I'm loved again. I just want the truth to be important to everybody again. But all nine types have a basic fear, and this basic fear is I'll never get back there. It's it's never going to be okay. Mm. And so we contend with the fear in two ways, and that's your Enneagram type's passion, and that's your Enneagram type's fixation. And the passion is how your heart suffers this, this disconnect from essence, and your fixation is how your mind tells your heart, hey, that makes sense. Keep doing that. Mm. And this is where the passion and fixation become sort of a – an addiction, a hamster wheel, a, a looping of I'm going to stay stuck and I'd rather stay asleep. Mm. And now I'm less interested in trying to find my way back home. Mm. That is so good. I would encourage anybody listening to right now just go buy The Sacred Enneagram by Chris Hewitts. It is it is fantastic. And you can tell just by what he's saying today, the great wisdom and the deeps. Thank you for your work. This is years and years and years of work. And you live it out. You've done social activism. You're contemplative. You're this amazing cat. And I'm so, so glad to get to know you. And, and thanks for being on the podcast yeah. twice. Yeah. Thanks for your work. Too. Yeah. I hope that uh, people will sign up for your workshop at the Apprentice Gathering September 26th. You can go online, apprenticeinstitute.org, and sign up for the conference and for Chris's workshop. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. Chris, thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks let's, a lot. Let, it's the beginning of a beautiful friendship. For sure. Said, Casablanca. I hope, so. I hope so. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, brother. I hope you enjoyed this Things Above conversation with Chris Hewitts. As I mentioned before, Chris will be at the Apprentice Gathering 2019. To learn more or to register for the conference, visit apprenticeinstitute.org slash theapprenticegathering. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend, and you can always subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, what's on your mind? Your answer will be, Things Above. <laughs>